0: going to move forward a bit. Who's, who's been on holiday this summer? A few of us, amazing, very good. Who's got holiday they're waiting to go on? A few of us, cool, excellent, very good. Well, I, we, just, we just got back from the uh, south of France, I know, you can see from my lovely tan, yeah, check it out. And yeah, and we went to Disneyland as well, thanks. And uh, Thanks guys, it's my children by the way. So, I I sort of, I I quite like kind of chart. I I like Google Maps. I don't know about you. I love a bit of Google Maps. I love seeing how far I've been. Um, And so I realised that we'd driven 650 miles to get to the south of France. I don't know whether I can put that up a minute. There you go. Here's our journey to the south of France. There was a short, we did surprise the children and took them to Disneyland Paris for a couple of days as well. It was a surprise, wasn't it? Yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, so that was our journey. It took us, so 650 miles. It took us over 10 hours to get there. Um, but I've been really lucky over the last year, and I've been also able to visit a few other places. So last year, I flew out to Spain. And then I also flew to Canada, and I flew to America as well. So I've been lots of places in the last year. And I was thinking about this journey down to the south of France, and I realized when I was, when I was working out, in the same time it took us to drive to the south of France, I was able to fly all the way to Canada. So I flew all the way to Canada, and I flew to Vancouver. So this is Vancouver. It's uh, an amazing city. Um, and I flew this far. So I flew, look, like that. That is 4,700 miles. And I did that in 10 hours. So I thought that's quite an incredible distance, isn't it, to go? Has anybody been flown further than that? That's the furthest I've ever flown. Has anybody Who's flown further than that? Gentlemen in the middle there. How far have you flown? Where have you flown to? You flew from New Zealand on Thursday. Well, that deserves a round of applause. Very good. Anybody else float? Who's been further than that? Anyone? You've been further than that, Halley. Where have you been to? Amazing. France. Okay, super. Very good. We... We've all been on a long journey at one point or another, haven't we? Whether that's to New Zealand, whether that's to somewhere else. Now, I just want you to hold in your head, I don't want to know, the longest journey you've been on, think about that. Think about how long that took you. Think about all that frustration you had. When I flew to Canada, I was next to a, a woman who could only speak Urdu, and she had an 18-month-old and a 3-month-old and a who screamed the whole way there, and I ended up having to help her all the way there. So that journey is ever etched now in my memory. How long was your long journey? Did it feel a long time? Now, if you start to think about this, I was thinking about flying. Did you know that in an hour, like, so, so uh, an aeroplane, a commercial aeroplane, flies at 500 miles an hour, 550 miles an hour, they say, r- roughly around that. So if we were going to fly, say, let's say we could actually fly an aeroplane into space, I wonder how long it would take us to get to the moon. So the moon is 280 238,855 miles away from us, give or take, okay? If we were in an aeroplane, how long would it take us to get there? Does anybody want to have a go at guessing? My daughter's already got her hand up. Uh, anyone else? Yes. How long? Five years. No, shorter than five years, but a very good guess. If I'd actually... Ed, Edie, can you give me a hand? Can you go and, can you go and give her a packet, packet of sweets? Thanks. Anyone else? For a packet of sweets, yes, at the back. How How long? That is actually very good. That is almost. I. Has Dad been helping you there? Do you want to come and grab some sweets from me? Four hundred and eighty hours. Somebody's good. Good at maths. Very good catch as well. That was excellent. <laughs> Look at that. Excellent math skills. Excellent catching skills. You are blessed. Um. So four hundred and eighty hours is is about there. But so it's actually, in. It would take us 18 days, that is, to fly there. So imagine being on an aeroplane for 18 days. You eventually would get to the moon. It would be a bit frustrating, particularly if you were next to the lady I was on my trip to Canada. (laughs) 18 days. What about the sun? How long, if we were flying in an aeroplane, would it take to reach the sun? The sun is 93 million miles away. Somebody at the back over here. How many? Did you just look that up? OK, well, so you can't use Google. That's cheating. Anyone else? Henry? You wouldn't be able to get to the sun because you would burn up. All right. Wouldn't be able to get to the sun because you would burn up. All right, wise guy. Very good. It would actually take you, if you could get there, if your plane was impregnable to heat. the <sighs> It would take you nineteen years. Nineteen years with no toilet breaks. I wouldn't be good would it. Nineteen years. Isn't that incredible? You think about that. Nineteen years. There's a psalm in the Bible that talks about space. It's Psalm 8. So if you've got a Bible, maybe you want to go there because that's where I'm going to be for the next few minutes. Psalm 8. And it's written by King David. And King David is the, the, the guy who defeats Goliath with the stones in his sling children. You've probably done that story multiple times. Jude, my son, that's one of your favourite stories in the Bible, isn't it? David hitting Goliath in the head with a the, with the stone. Um, there you go. Um, and so... This psalm is written by this guy. And a psalm is like a song or a poem to God. So let's just read this together, shall we? Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers... The moon and the stars which you've set in place. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honour. You have made them rulers over the work of your hands. You have put everything under their feet. All of the flocks and herds, all of the animals of the wild, the birds of the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim in the paths of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic Is your name in all of the earth? So, David says that God has set his glory in the heavens. What does it mean to set his glory in the heavens? What's he talking about? Well, he's not talking about heaven as in the place that God dwells. When David says the heavens, he means the sky. So, God sets his glory in the sky. We get to see a glimpse of what God's glory is like when we just look into the sky. I, I, as many of you know, I used to teach art, and I love art. And sometimes you go to an art gallery and you see a, an amazing painting by an artist. And you think, wow, that's incredible. How on earth were they able to paint that? And then you look in the sky and you see what God's done, and you think, wow, that's incredible. How was he able to do that? Two years ago, um, NASA opened their, or started their new telescope, which is the James Webb Telescope. And it was, it's able to see into deep space better than any other telescope That we have elsewhere. And when they started sending pictures back, the pictures were pretty incredible. How could this? This is um, stars being formed, I think. And these two as well. Look at that. When we look into the sky, we get a glimpse of what God is like, staring back at us from deep, dark space. We see a glimpse of God's glory. You look at how big it is and you think, gosh, look how big and how incredible that is. These are all stars and stars forming in clouds of gases. We think, gosh, how big is that? And then, you know, when we think like that, like David, we could think, I feel really small and really insignificant. I don't know whether you look at things like that. Sometimes when you go outside and you look at the night sky, you think, gosh, I feel really small and tiny compared to it. Was anybody woken up by the thunderstorm on Friday night? A few of us, yeah? In moments like that, you all of a sudden realise how big nature is and how small you feel as a result of it. And sometimes when we feel like that, we might actually come to the conclusion that we feel so small and so insignificant that maybe God doesn't care about us. Maybe that's how you feel this morning. And there is a dot in this room. I don't know whether anybody can see it. The first person who's, no, you're not not involved in this young lady. It's my daughter. Can anybody see the dot in this room? There is a dot in this room. I've stuck a dot up. Reuben, where is it? Well done, Reuben. Reuben has seen the dot. Good one, Reuben. Now, compared to the room, compared to the room, this dot over here in the corner is totally insignificant. You might have seen it and thought, "Oh gosh, that's just a dot on the wall. What's that doing there?" Compared to that, the room that we're in, that dot is really small and insignificant. And that's how we can feel sometimes. We can all feel small and insignificant. Maybe you've walked into, um, you know, you walk into a school for the first time. I remember my first day as a teacher walking into a school and it feel, you feel quite insignificant. On the first day you go to university and you walk into this big building with all of these people and you feel insignificant. Maybe it was the first day you started your job somewhere and you feel small and insignificant. We can all feel like that sometimes. But you know what? God actually says to us that we are significant and that he cares about us. This is what this psalm says. David says, doesn't he, what is man that you are mindful of them? What are humans that you actually care about us? We look at the skies in the, sky, the stars in the sky and we think, gosh, how is it that you care about me? How is it that you care about me? Maybe you're at the moment, you don't feel like God cares about you. Maybe you think, God, how could you care about me? I feel so small and insignificant. Maybe... Further than that, you're actually feeling really worried at the moment and you think God doesn't care about your worries. Maybe you're, a chi- you're one of the children here today and you're worried about going to school in September. Maybe for you that's something that's really worrying you at the moment, starting a new class with a new teacher. Maybe that's in your brain and you're thinking, oh, I'm really worried about that, I don't want that to happen. Maybe parents here today, you're worried about paying your rent or your mortgage. Maybe you just, we, each one's adults in the room, maybe that's where we're at at the moment. Well, you know what? God not only cares about us, he invites us to come to him with the things that we're worried about. Peter, Jesus' best friend, one of Jesus' best friends, says this. He says, give God all of your worries because he cares for you. So God who made the skies and the stars and the distant galaxies invites us to come to him and say, I'm really worried about this. I'm really worried about that. I'm feeling anxious about this. I'm feeling anxious about that just encourage you today to go to that God who made the stars. You know, if he can make the stars, he can help you with your problem that you've got, can't he? But you know what? There's also something else in this psalm as well. It's not just that it shows us that God cares about us, but also that God has made you for a reason. God has made you for a reason. Um, David says this in the psalm. He says, you have made us a little lower than the angels. So I wonder if I can go back to that in a minute. He's, he says that you've made us a little lower than the angels, that you've, you've, and you've given us the opportunity and the authority to rule over the works of your hands. David says, you've made all of this, but how come you care about us so much that you've actually give us, given us the, the responsibility to take care of what you've made? You see, God doesn't only just make us and care about us, he makes us for a reason. When God makes Adam and Eve in Genesis, he it says in the Bible that he made them in his image. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that we look like God, but it means that we have the same character as God. So we can love the way that God loves. We can be kind. We can care for others. We can be generous. We can be patient. We can forgive when people upset us. We, each one of us, whether we're old or whether we're young, we can, each one of us, mirror God back to the world around us. Paul, writing in Ephesians, says that we are God's handiwork. God has made us, but he's made us, he says, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So you've not only been made by God, you've been made to do good works for God. Each one of us, we should find significance in this psalm this morning. God has made the creation that we see around us But he's also made us and he's made you for a reason. He's made you and cares about you. This is what we find in this psalm. God cares about us. Now, each one of us this week has got an opportunity to demonstrate what God is like to the world around us. You see, we get to mirror back what God is like to the world around us. And we can all do that this week. So how could you do that? Well, you could love other people the way that you have received love yourself. You could be generous in the way that God is being generous to you. You could maybe forgive somebody this week. Maybe, maybe you've come this morning and there's somebody in your life you need to forgive. Maybe somebody's upset you or hurt you. Maybe this week's an opportunity to mirror back the creator God to them and demonstrate what he's like. And lastly, we're all called to care for the world around us. We don't talk a lot about this in church. But we are actually called to care for the creation that God has made. He's made us stewards of it. It's important that we care for what God has made. So as I close today, I'm actually going to close with a little bit a little bit of a practical. I've got a, a, one more thing to do in, in a couple of minutes. But I want to close by actually inviting you to turn around. Maybe you've come as a family. Uh, if you are not come as a family and you're here with others... Please make sure I want everybody in the room to be turned around and speaking to somebody today, but I want you to turn around and chat to somebody. What do you feel that you could do this week to show other people what God is like? So I'll leave these things up on the screen. What is the one thing you're going to do this week to actually be, demonstrate what God is like to people around you? So let's just do that for a minute. It's really important that when when we read the Bible and when we talk about God, that we don't just go away with knowledge for our heads, but that we go away with actions for our heart and our lives to do as a result of it. It's really important that when we read the Bible, that we don't just think of it as something to read and then close again and put away, but that we allow the Bible to change us. And we allow God to change us as he speaks to us through his words. And so I just really encourage you that just as this morning I've spoken about how God cares for you. Maybe the thing that you need to do this week is just to give your worries to Jesus. Or maybe this week it's to demonstrate what God is like, because he's given us the ability to do that, and demonstrate what God is like to the people around you. So let me just pray as we finish. Lord Jesus, I thank you that um, you have made the stars, you have made the sky. I thank you that you've set them in place. I thank you that it says elsewhere in the Bible that you know them each by name. And Lord Jesus, I pray this week, Lord, that as, just as, as you've made those things, I thank you that you also say that you care about each one of us. And so, Lord, I pray this week that we might know your love and your care over our lives. Lord, I pray for anybody here who's feeling anxious and worrying today. Lord, I ask you, Lord, just as I've been speaking about them this morning, young or old, Lord, that they might know your love with them today. And they might know a new ability to turn over their worries to you today. And Father, I pray for each of us. Thank you, Lord, that you've made us in your image. And so, Lord, we pray, Lord Jesus, that we would be able to demonstrate what that image looks like to the world around us by by caring for others, by loving others, by caring for what you've made, by forgiving others when they sin against us, and by being generous the way that you are generous. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us this week by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, lastly for me, we, we've got one more week in our psalm series, which is the 3rd of September. As you know, next week we take a break from church. And so it's a little challenge for you. If you're at a loose end next Sunday, um, why not write a psalm and send it to us? So challenge either as a family or as an individual. I know we've got a few poets in the, in the church as well. Um, so why not write a psalm and send it in to us? And then what we'll do is we'll read a few of them out on the 3rd of September um, in the meeting. So if you want to have a go at doing that, please feel free. Send them into office at gatewaychurchashford.co.uk and um, and we will will read them out. Um, Cool. Right. Well, that is the end of our meeting today. Tea and coffee is over there and refreshments. And um, thanks for coming.